Um, tonight our topic is going to be on um, the topic of work and I guess it's fitting uh, since uh, this is a Labor Day week uh, that we are going to discuss work. Uh, it wasn't originally intended this way, um, but Pastor Ray was gracious enough to uh, convenient time uh, for me to go ahead and um, talk about this topic. And yeah, it just so happens that you know today um, is a day that worked out best. So yeah. As you guys know, um, today is also 9-11, uh, and I'm not sure, uh, since most of you guys are probably pretty young, I don't even know if some of you guys might even remember all the events that took place um, back then. It was 2001, I think, uh, 2001, um, so yeah, uh, there might be some of you that were barely alive back then. That's kind of crazy, but... You know, if you're not very familiar with um, the events that happened today, yeah, I encourage you to look it up. And, you know, it's something that's really ingrained in the fabric of our history um, as a country, uh, especially our modern history. And for those of you that are old enough to remember, you know, it's something that you'll never forget. Um, you're always going to remember, you know, where you were uh, when you heard the news. And your, those images are always going to be forever in your mind. Uh, and so, yeah, take the time to, to think about it. And I would encourage you um, in your groups tonight, uh, maybe if you can, uh, go ahead and, you know, pray for our country. Um, you know, our, our country needs a lot of prayer. Um, you know, our area needs a lot of prayer, um, given everything that's happening now, too. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, call your attention to that um, before we get started. Um, but... And before we go into our topic tonight, uh, let's go ahead and bow for a word of prayer. Um, dear, I just uh, thank you uh, tonight um, for this opportunity to gather uh, just to hear from your word. Uh, as we continue our study in the book of Proverbs, uh, you continue to teach us uh, ways uh, in which we are to live, uh, how we can live wisely, uh, and ultimately, live in a way that's honoring to you. And so, Lord, as we approach the topic of work, um, just help us to understand our place and how we ought to work uh, in a way that ultimately glorifies you. Uh, in your son's name we pray, amen. Okay, uh, so again, uh, we're going to be discussing work in the Bible as a whole, and especially in the Proverbs, um, has a lot to say about the topic of work. But tonight, we're going to focus on one passage in Proverbs, and that's going to be passage, a passage uh, found in chapter 6. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6, uh, verses 6 to 11. Um, but before we get into the passage, I want to do a couple things first. Um, so first, I'll give a little recap of Proverbs and maybe why we're studying it. And then secondly, uh, just a very brief overview of what the Bible has to say about uh, the purpose of work. Um, so uh, first, if you go through the book of Proverbs, um, you're going to see a lot of contrasts, uh, especially uh, between those who are wise and then those who are foolish, um, those who are righteous and those who are wicked. Um, but Proverbs is more than just learning about 
how to be wise and how to be righteous. Um, if that's all there was to the book of Proverbs, uh, there wouldn't be much um, that separates it then from worldly wisdom. Um, but as we've come to study some of the various topics um, so far, um, there it teaches us how to really deal with areas of our life, um, maybe areas such as lust and temptation or how we view money and justice um, and how someone lives in regards to these areas really ultimately exposes whether they truly fear God or not. Again, it really highlights or exposes whether we truly fear God or not. Uh, and if we come to the conclusion as we examine our lives in these various areas um, that we don't fear God as we should, then we need to change. Because if we don't fear God as we should, uh, that could be an indicator then that we may not really believe who he really is. Uh, because if we truly understood who God is, um, then we would live and act out of a proper fear of him. And when I mean fear, uh, I mean all aspects of fear um, when we think about fearing God. Uh, and that includes everything from one spectrum of just absolute terror um, to the complete other spectrum where uh, our fear forces us to be in reverential worship of him. Uh, and then secondly, um, what does then the Bible teach us about work? Um, here are some things to consider uh, when we think about what the Bible has to say. First, uh, God is not a God of idleness. God is not idle. God works. From the beginning of scripture, uh, we see his hand in creating the universe. Right? That's his work. Uh, scripture is full of references to the work of God, whether it's in creation or in redemption. Right? God works, and his creation is a testimony of his work. So then, if God works, then man, who is made in the image of God, he must also work. Right? It's a misconception that work is a result of the fall or that work is a result of the curse. When you look back at God's plan for man before the fall, God had already intended for man, and he created man, to work. First, when we look at Genesis 1.26, God created man to rule over the earth and to subdue it. Then in Genesis 2, verse 15, God tells man to cultivate the garden and keep it. Man was made for work. All these things all these commands that God had made for man, the plans that he had for man, uh, were before the fall. And yes, right, the fall may have changed the nature of work. Right? It may have made it more difficult. In Genesis 3, 18 and 19, we learn that man is cursed to work until he dies. Right? But man was made for work. Look at, if you have your Bibles, um, turn to Exodus 20, Exodus chapter 20, uh, verses 9 to 11. And in Exodus 20, uh, verses 9 to 11, um, this is when God is um, giving the Ten Commandments uh, to Moses and the people. And he says this, verse 9, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath, of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, 
you or your sons or your daughter, your male or female servant, or your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You work because God works. Okay? You work first, you complete your work, right? then you rest. Right? So in tonight, the, so the title of, of our topic tonight, you know, as we've gone through the different um, sections in Proverbs, the different areas um, that Proverbs speaks to, um, the title usually kind of goes like this, um, the wise man then, you know, does this, right? The wise man controls his anger, the wise man controls his tongue, uh, the wise man um, is, you know, uh, is pure. Um, so tonight, um, we're going to see that the wise man works hard. Okay, the wise man works hard. So how you work, right, not necessarily where you work or what you do, but how you work reveals a lot about who you are. So it really doesn't matter if you mow, if, you're, if your job is just mowing someone's lawn or if you're a CEO of a large company, right, how you work reveals, one, among other things, how others will see God. In other words, your work is a testimony of God and his work. And then secondly, how you work also reveals what you think about God. How you work reveals what you think about God. Proverbs 9.10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Right? You apply the wisdom of working hard because you fear God. Right? And that's why it's so important that Solomon's instructions to his son among other things, was to work hard. Right? It's so important that we, like Solomon's son, should listen and abide by the wisdom that Solomon gives because this is wisdom from God. This is teaching us how we ought to live, teaching us how we ought to fear him. This is the application of our fear for God, how we work. Because if you don't listen, and if you don't apply the wisdom that God has given us, then you might be just like Solomon's son. Uh, you remember, uh, first it was King Saul, our first, the first king, and then came King David, and then King Solomon, and then after that was his son Rehoboam. And, and when the kingdom first started, started with Saul, the people wanted a king. You know, it was, the, I remember it was the time of, we went through the judges, it was the time of judges, everything was a disaster. Everything was in chaos. And so they wanted a king, so God gave him a king, he appointed Saul. And for all the things that Saul did wrong, you know, one thing as Saul did as king was he helped unite the people. He brought them all under one nation, and together they were able to defend their land against all their enemies. And then when he passed on and David took over, then that's really when the true kingship of Israel started to begin, right? This was the royal line. This was the true royal line that God had wanted 
and in David, David was able to secure the land. Right? He secured Jerusalem, the capital. He brought the ark back. You know, he had the plans to make the temple. And so the nation of Israel was rising to the prominence that they ought to have as God's people. And then, and then came Solomon. And then with Solomon, right, the author of Proverbs, right, we all know how wise Solomon is. And he, God used him to build up Israel into, in the history of Israel, probably the highest it's ever been in prominence, in wealth, right? I mean, this little country of Israel was like the center of the world with all these great nations kind of all around them with Babylon, Assyria, and Egypt, Ethiopia, all these large nations, right? Israel, right? Israel was the one in the center of it all. Israel was like the center of the world. People would come from all over just to see Israel, just to hear the wisdom of the king, right? Israel was at its peak. And then Solomon then, through the book of Proverbs, is passing on this wisdom, right? Passing it on to his son, right? And hopefully his son would build upon all the success that God has given his father David through him. And now he gets to pass on this great kingdom, this mighty nation, right? This is, this is the nation that, you know, when we think about what Israel should have been, this was, this was it, or this was as close as it should be. And then when Rehoboam becomes king, right, it doesn't take long before the whole kingdom falls apart. All the work of David, all the work of Saul, all the work of Solomon, it all fell apart because Rehoboam was a foolish man. Because Rehoboam didn't listen to the wisdom of his father, right, because he didn't wi listen to godly wisdom, and ultimately because he didn't fear God. He ruined his life. He ruined the kingdom. And maybe, maybe it may have also ruined his soul. So when wisdom speaks, we need to treasure it. It's like a roadmap to success. It's a path that leads to honor and fearing God. Right, Proverbs, Proverbs 4, it says this. It says, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, for she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. Then you, in all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place you, she will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with the crown of beauty. Hear my son, hear my son, and accept my sayings, for the years of your life will be many. But Rehoboam didn't listen. Right? He didn't treasure the wisdom that was there in front of him. So, you know, as we come to study the Proverbs, when wisdom speaks, then we listen, and we treasure it. And what wisdom says we should do, we do it, because we fear the Lord, or we ought to fear the Lord. And so uh, our passage tonight about work, uh, Proverbs 6, again, 6 through uh, 11, 
Uh, I'll break it down. Uh, we'll just kind of go through the text as we go, um, but I broke it down into uh, three different sections. Um, first, um, the first three verses, verses six to eight, um, it's um, Solomon, um, you can say Roman numeral one, is the commendation of the ant. Um, Roman numeral two, uh, verses nine and 10, is the rebuke of the sluggard, the rebuke of the sluggard, and then lastly, our last verse, um, Roman numeral three, is the consequences for the sluggard. Um, so let's start uh, in our passage. Uh, so verse six reads this. Solomon says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise. Uh, that's what it says. Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise. These are the lessons from, from an ant. Okay, Solomon opens this section addressing the sluggard. Uh, you see this term sluggard used numerous times in Proverbs, and it means just kind of what it sounds. Okay, it refers to someone who is slothful, a lazy, uh, someone who is sluggish. Right? So in Solomon's wisdom, he points the sluggard to the ant to teach him a lesson on hard work. Right? The, and the humbling irony of all of this is that man has to take lessons from an ant. But man, man is the pinnacle of God's creation. Right? You can travel all around the world. You can marvel at all the wonderful sites that God has created, oceans, beaches, mountains, valleys. You know, even if you could observe up close the planets and the stars and all the universe, right? the peak of God's creative glory is found in you and me. In all creation, we are the ones that represent and resemble God the most. Yet for us who are sluggish, right, we're not the ones that reflect God's glory in work. Right, the smallest of creatures, this tiny ant, right, does a better job of that than we do. Right? We, in our laziness and our sluggishness, have become outdone by ants. Right? It's a pretty humiliating but necessary lesson that Solomon sets before us. So there's two commendations then that Solomon has um, for the ant. Uh, and this is verses seven, and, verses seven and eight. And it says about the ant, which having no chief officer or ruler prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. First lesson from the ant is that it is diligent, or you can say that it is self-motivated, right? Even though they operate seemingly without a ruler, they still know exactly what they need to do, right? They just know, right? Now, I don't think Solomon is unaware of the existence of like the queen ant, and I'm not really a expert on ants, you know? Um, but from what I understand, I don't know if the queen is really there um, to provide really direction. I think she's there kind of more for um, her role, primary role is for reproduction. And so like if you know, the queen ant dies, then there's no more ants um, that are born and then the colony just dies. But yeah, I don't believe that she is the one that would direct um, them to do what they need to do. Um, but regardless, right, uh, the point of Solomon's lesson is that no one needs to tell the ant what to do, right? Even today, 
Um, that is the reputation of the ant. That's what we think of when we think of ants. That, you know, we know that they're hardworking. Right? It's just innate in them. That's just who they are. There's no supervisor. There's no boss. There's no manager. They just know what to do, and they do it. So some questions to ask yourself uh, when you think about your role in your job and how you do it. Some questions to consider um, when you're at work. Does your boss need to keep telling you to do things? Right? Do you need to be constantly reminded uh, to do certain tasks? And then also, are you faithful with the work that you've been given? Right? Does your boss feel confident leaving things in your hands? Right? Will they trust you to get it done? Just some questions for you to consider, uh, given the example that we have in our friends, the ants. Okay, Proverbs 10, 26, it says this, like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy one who sends them. Right, it's painful to work with a lazy person. Right, no one wants that person on their team. Right, that person leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. Right, they're, they're an irritant, right? I mean, it's smoke to the eyes. I think that's appropriate, right? I think we can all relate to that these past few days. Uh, if you want to know what it's like to work with a lazy person, or if you are the lazy person and you want to know what it's like, how people feel when you're around them, you just walk outside for a little bit, right? These next few days, just walk outside and just let the smoke and the ash just fill your eyes and enjoy it. And that's, that's what it's like, right? It's bitter. It's irritating, right? But that's what it's like. So another question to ask yourself is, what's your reputation at work, right? Are you, do, would people look at you like you're the ant or would they look at you like you're the lazy one? Now, the second lesson we learned from the ant is that they prepare. They plan for the future, you can say. Or another way to put it is that they are focused. Okay? They realize the importance of the task that they have, and they will not be distracted from achieving it. I'll listen to verse 8. Right? Again, she prepares or she prepares food in the summer and gathers for provision at the harvest. They know what they need to do when they need to do it, right? They work tirelessly, but they also work smartly and wisely, right? They know that when the winter comes, there will be no food. So they work as hard as they can to gather all that they can in the summer and in the harvest times so that when the winter comes, they won't go hungry and die. Right? You see, in Solomon's day, there was a, it was a predominantly agrarian society, right? People farmed, that's how they made their living, right? They farmed, uh, they tended to their livestock. So really, if you don't work hard, you won't have anything to harvest. And if you don't have anything to harvest, well, then you won't have any food. If you don't have any food, then you and your animals will die. Right? It's very simple. 
And there are plenty of passages, and maybe that's why there are lots of passages that relate in Proverbs that relate to working with food. And you don't have to write these down, but just understand that there's a lot of them. Okay, Proverbs 13, 4, 12, 11, 16, 26, 9, 5, 20, verse 4, 20, verse 13, 28, verse 19, and I'm sure there's more. But the message is pretty simple, right? You work, then you eat and you live, right? If you're lazy, then you will starve and you will die. So as we take lessons and direction from the ant, right, we learn that we need to work hard uh, and we also need to be focused and have some direction. So another question for examination is this, do you have a plan for your life, right? Do you have a plan for maybe if you're in school, what you want to study? Uh, and as you start work, um, maybe do you have a plan um, for your career? Okay, because it's okay to have a plan, right? It's okay to have a plan, right? Listen to what the other Proverbs have to say. Uh, Proverbs 21, verse 5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but the one who is hasty comes surely to poverty. And then 24, verse 27, prepare your work outside and make it ready for yourself in the field. Afterwards, then, build your house. You see, many of you are in a critical stage of your life. Even though you have much of your life and most of your life ahead of you, right, you are going to start to make decisions that will determine what happens in the rest or to the rest of your life. You know, many times see people and they just try to get to the next stage. Right? They just want to hurry up and just get out of school. And then they, when they get out of school, they just, I just want to find a job. Or, okay, now that I'm at a certain day, okay, I just need to get married. Right? They're just trying to get to the next stage, but they're not preparing for it. Right? If you live your life just trying to figure it out as you go, that's a lazy way to live. Okay, that's a lazy way to live, and it can lead to your ruin. So it's okay to have a plan, but it's also important that you prepare. This is the example of the ant and what it looks like to work hard. And in the next couple verses, um, we see the rebuke that Simon has for the sluggard, right? The rebuke that Simon, or Solomon, sorry, Solomon has for the sluggard, uh, verses 9 and 10. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. I think a lot of us can relate to this. Right? First, the first rebuke is that the sluggard, he's just lazy. Right? He, all he wants to do is sleep. And I certainly understand that, and I'm sure many of you understand that. And how long will you lie down? When will you arise? Right? I will lie down as long as I can, and I will arise as late as possible. Right, that's oftentimes, maybe too often, you know, how we feel. But this is 
This is the life of a lazy man, right? This is a life of a sluggard, right? He has no regard for any responsibility. Each moment of light, again, remember just the time that people were living in when Solomon wrote this. Each moment of light was very precious to the worker back in those days, right? Their livelihood was largely based on tending to crops and their animals, right? There was only a certain amount of time to get everything done. Only a certain amount of daylight in which they could work. But the sluggard is wasting his time sleeping. Right? This shows a complete lack of self-discipline and a complete lack of self-control. Right. We'll learn about self-control in a few weeks, so I won't get too much into it. But just some things, to, just some, just another proverb to consider. Listen to Proverbs 25:28. Like a city that is broken into and without walls, is a man who has no control of over his spirit. A man who has no self-control is like a city without walls. It's, he is helpless and he is defenseless. Right. Any vice that tempts him, right, he'll just give in. Right. If he just feels a little groggy in the morning, he doesn't have the discipline or the self-control to just get up and start working. He'll just give in and want to sleep some more. Right. So just like how good habits affect all parts of your life, laziness will also affect all aspects of your life as well. Right? If you're going to be lazy with work, you're going to be lazy in other parts of your life as well. Second, the second rebuke is that the sluggard, the sluggard is rebuked for his excuses. So here's what the sluggard says. And this is Solomon quoting the sluggard. He says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest or to lie down, um, you can say. Right. Have you heard this before, right? It's just a few more minutes, right? Just a few more minutes. Right. I'll get up in a few more minutes, but just a little bit more sleep, right? It sounds like Solomon is prophesying about the snooze button. Right? That's what this is, right? It's the sluggard and his snooze button. That's all he wants to do. Right? He has a snooze button. It's a built-in excuse for him to get more sleep. Just five more minutes. Right? And then I'll just let it go again. Five more minutes. Many of us are guilty of wanting a little more sleep and a little more slumber because of laziness, um, because of sluggishness, and I guess you could say sluggardness, right? Um, but that's what it is, right? It's just an excuse, right? Just a little bit more, and then I'll wake up, right? It's always just a little bit more, right? That's a very similar excuse that we make up for ourselves when it comes to a lot of other areas in our lives. We learned about being wise with money. You may often hear, 
people say, well, I'll, I'll start giving, you know, I'll start giving once I start making more money, right? I'll do what's right later, right? But for now, just a little bit more, right? Let me just have a little bit more money first, right? Let me just have a little more sleep first. Then I'll start to work. We also spent a couple weeks going over purity, right? How a man can keep his way pure, right? To stay away from lust, stay away from the harlot, from the adulteress. And for many of many of us guys who struggle or have struggled with with this issue, there's always an excuse, right? There's always an excuse, right? Hey, I've had a good week. I've had a good couple weeks, so you know it's okay if I slip up just this one time. Or maybe okay after after this one time, right? After this one time, then then that's when I'll really try and stop. Right? It's just a little bit more. Right? You just want a little bit more. Right? That's the excuse. Right? The lazy man always has an excuse why he doesn't want. The Proverbs 22:13 says this about the sluggard. It says, the sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I will be killed in the streets. Right? This is his excuse. I can't, I can't work because if I go outside, a lion is going to kill me. It's like saying for us, right? well, I'm not going to look for a job. I can't work. I mean, if I go outside, I'm get hit by a bus. It's ridiculous. Why would I want to go outside? It's so dangerous, right? But the fact that it's ridiculous is kind of the point, right? The sluggard will give in to any excuse why he's not working, right? He, and no matter how far-fetched it is to him, right, or how far-fetched the excuse is to him, it's a valid excuse, right? So this is what happens. Right? You give in to a little bit of laziness, or you can put in whatever sin you want, right? But you give in to a little bit of laziness, right? then the more it will begin to set in, and the more you will begin to believe your own excuses, no matter how foolish they are. Right? Being lazy, loving sleep, being full of excuses for your laziness, right? that's no way to live. And then lastly, we see uh, the consequences, uh, the consequences uh, for the sluggard, right? Or you can say these are the consequences of laziness. Verse 11, it says this, your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. So what happens is this, before he knows it, the sluggard will be struck with poverty. Right. Other translations um, or other versions translate vagabond as a robber or even a prowler. Right? It's going to sneak up on him. When, the win when, winter, when winter comes, the ant who has been disciplined, and, uh, disciplined to prepare and work, right? he's ready. All his food is set aside. So he doesn't have to worry whether it's fall or winter. 
right? He's prepared. He has all the food that he needs. Right? He's not worried about the winter. He's not worried about poverty because he has prepared. But the lazy man, when it's summer, he's just going to be doing what he wants to do, sleeping, watching TV, or whatever it is, you know, um, that takes up so much of our time. And before you know it, winter is here. And you realize that you have nothing, right? The sluggard realizes that he has nothing. But it's not only that. When the time comes and he finds himself in need, the sluggard is also helpless, right? It says there his need will come like an armed man, right? It's like he's fighting, like the need that he's fighting is like an armed man, right? He can't fight back. He has no way of defending himself against the need that comes upon him, right? He has no chance. At least a dozen times in Proverbs, Proverbs speaks to the sluggard and his demise, and it's pretty much all the same. It's not just that he's poor, but he has no food to eat, and if he has no food, again, he'll eventually die, right? Again, in Solomon's day, you don't work, you don't eat. And if that sounds familiar, right, you don't work, you don't eat, right, that ought to ring a bell with a lot of us, right, because that's the same thing the Apostle Paul says to the Thessalonians. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. Okay, so this is what Paul says about work, the Apostle Paul. He says, Now we commend you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly, or can be translated undisciplined or idle, life, and not according to the traditions which you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example because we did not act as un, in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have the right to this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now, in the Lord Jesus Christ, or now in the Lord Jesus Christ, to work in a Sorry. Now, such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in a quiet fashion and eat their own bread. But as for you, this is verse 13, but as for you, brethren, do not weary, grow weary of doing good. You see, there is no room in the, God's church for laziness. 
Right? The sluggard is a burden to the church. Right? The lazy man is a burden to the church. Right? They take up valuable resources that could have gone to those who are actually going through real trials. Right? Those that truly need it. Right? People that are suffering. Right? Not people that are suffering because of laziness. So understand that the wise man, the wise man, he works hard. But the wise man doesn't work hard just so that he can please his boss or that he can please his family or his church. The wise man doesn't work hard so that he can be rich. The wise man works hard because he knows that his work reflects the work of God. And Paul writes this in, in Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than men. And ultimately, right, the wise man works hard because the wise man fears the Lord. So as a means of application, um, I'd like for you guys to think about... Um, these areas in life uh, and whether you are considered to be an ant or a sluggard. I think about how hard you work uh, at your job or, you know, or at school, right? That's mainly what we've been talking about tonight. Uh, and that's the main emphasis of, you know, the, the proverb. But we I would encourage you to see if you can extend that application and to see how hard you work at home. Right? Whether you, especially if you live at home or if you live with others or even if you live in your own home. Right? How responsible are you uh, taking care of the affairs of your house? Right? And you can say, well, I, I live with my parents and you know, they, they do kind of all the work and I just live there. And that doesn't sound like someone who works hard. Right? Part of working hard, one of the lessons that we have from the ant is that we also need to learn how to prepare. And so are you preparing yourself then, right, um, for your own home one day? Right? Are you preparing yourself? Are you working hard to prepare yourself to be a husband, to, to be a father? Uh, are you preparing yourself to be a wife or a mother? You know, these are all things that you can work on. These are all things that you can prepare for while you're in the home. And then lastly, how hard do you work in your spiritual life? Or how hard do you work uh, with your spiritual disciplines? We've been sheltering in place, I don't know, six, seven months. Uh, seems to have gone by pretty fast, but it also seems like it's gone on for a lot longer. Yeah, but, you know, like when it first started, I think a lot of people started to realize that they had a lot more time on their hands. And there's no, not, for many people, they're not commuting to work anymore. Uh, maybe they don't have to work as much. Um, we can't go out as much. 
So we do spend probably more time at home. Right? And in all that extra time, right, what have we done? I think in the beginning, probably a lot of us said, oh, well, you know, with all this extra time, I can, man, I can read a lot. Man, I can brush up on, you know, all these areas of my life that I need to, to get better at. You know, I can have more time for my devotions. I can have more time in prayer. But perhaps gradually, right, our sluggishness has gotten the best of us. and The free time that we have hasn't been spent doing those things. Uh, we haven't been working that hard in our spiritual walk. We haven't been working that hard in our disciplines. But instead, we work hard doing other things. Right? Almost as if we have an unlimited time to play games and unlimited time to watch all the shows that we want or whatever it is that we like to do uh, with our free time. But Solomon encourages us to be people that work hard. And we just ought to really consider, you know, what, whatever it is that we're doing um, as we're working, even in our free time, like is what we're doing displaying a true fear of God? And ultimately, that's what we're trying to learn how to do. How do we act? How do we act in fear of the Lord? What does that look like? And Proverbs gives us exactly what we need to do. And if we are wise, then we will listen. Uh, so uh, I think we'll have uh, our groups later on tonight, um, and they'll post the question. It's a similar question um, to just kind of what we just talked about. Um, so yeah, just talk about it in your groups. Just think about ways. You know, are, are, you, are you the ant or are you the sluggard? And what can, how can you learn from Solomon's teachings how to be someone that works hard in these aspects of your life? Um, so let's close with a word of prayer. Uh, Yvette, I would just thank you um, for your word. And we thank you for Solomon. And we even thank you for the ant uh, that teaches us how we ought to live. Um, we often uh, live in a way that may not be the most honoring to you, uh, a way that may not reflect a uh, proper fear of you. Um, but through your word uh, and through your Holy Spirit, um, you will change us and you will make us more uh, like your son, you will make us more like yourself. Uh, and we will learn to grow uh, and learn to work in a way that honors you. Uh, so we just uh, thank you for tonight. Uh, just thank you for everyone that was here. Um, just thank you for the time of small group. May it be uh, a good time of fellowship, a good time of discussion, a good time of encouragement uh, where we can challenge one another to grow and encourage one another uh, to work hard for you. Uh, so we just thank you. In your sincere, we pray. Amen.